Welcome back, VM Nation. Guys, this is going to be an amazing episode. If you're an entrepreneur, you're going to want to listen to this episode, download it, subscribe to it, share it, because we're going to be talking about high-ticket closing with my brother Joe. He's got an amazing podcast, 150K podcast, an amazing friend, brother in Christ, somebody that if I have questions about sales, he's the guy. I go to. So, Joe, brother, welcome to the show. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate it, man. I love you. I'm glad to be on your show. Uh, it's fun. Actually, we're rolling it back again. Um, actually, you just did a recording for me a little while ago that's going to get released with some secrets coming up to it. So, yeah, super happy to be on here and uh, glad to be a part of your audience again. I love it. So, my first question is, what is Joe Graham's definition of resiliency? My definition of resiliency is to stand in who I am with what I'm called to be, what I want to accomplish, and not give up, not quit, not go back to the old me. Resiliency is building that pressure under, like, you know, force. You know, you're getting that pushback. And being resilient for me is actually learning to actually trust that I do know what I can do, that I can accomplish what I can do, that I'm surrounded by the right people, the right groups, the right network, that I'm surrounded by my family. Because there's parts with resiliency that you need. But for me, it's really, I guess I get, I'm giving you a really long answer, and it should be really simple. To be 100% authentic, to love well, and to stand for what I believe in, no matter what anyone else thinks or does. And I love it. Now, we've already, we've, you've been on the show before, and guys, if you, you haven't checked out that episode you definitely need to check it out because we went deep personally but this one is going to be very business focused um so but joe you know not only are you a top rated podcast but you are a multiple award-winning sales person sales manager sales teacher and i love sales and everybody says well i don't like sales people well guys if you're married somebody got bought Somebody got <laughs> Somebody sold. Somebody got sold. <laughs> so everything in life is sell. If you're trying to get your kids to go to bed early, uh, you have to sell them on it. Everything is sales. So break break down what sales actually is. Sure. Sales is problem solving. So I think too many times people get this thought in their head that it has to be this quick, witty statement or it has to you take from someone and they get back from you. But really... Sales at it as its basic form is just problem solving. Richard, you have a problem. You want to get more clients. I help you get more clients. Bill has a need to do more stuff. It's just solving the problem for the customer, and they pay you because you solve their problem. Everyone thinks it's such a bad thing because you watch too many movies. You see too many things where it's like, oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Oh, this guy's going to take advantage of me. But at its core, sales is just helping people meet their needs, and if, like Ziegler said, you help enough people meet their needs, you're going to have everything you need. Okay, but now I started my sales out, I guess, in one of the hardest professions was door-to-door sales and selling timeshares. Those yep. are my, that's the two things that I started out with. And they say that's like the hardest thing to to start out with. Uh, but for me, it learned I learned how to take a lot of no's Mm-hmm. And I learned how to talk to people. Yeah. And like you said, I learned I wasn't selling the timeshare. I was selling the dream. I was mm-hmm. selling the vacations. I was selling, like you said, you don't you don't sell the steak, you sell the sizzle. Yeah. Right. But I think a lot of people get so wrapped up in sales, and oh, I gotta know every close. I need to know this. I need to know that instead of just sitting down and listening. Because most people, mm-hmm. they're going to sell themselves. 100%. Yeah. So talk to us care. about, you know, how did you get into this whole foray of sales? Well, I fell into sales. Like, I wasn't even trying to be a salesperson. I was actually working for a different company, and they cut me. So I had no option. I had to get into sales because I had to provide for my family. And I realized that I was not good at it. I had all the negative thought processes with sales. This is 18 years ago. So, like, I'm an 18 year overnight success if you think about it. I've been learning, growing, drinking sales for 18 plus years. But when I got into sales, I started 
like you did. It was like door to door for Home Depot. I was selling roofing windows side and I'm having to go and talk to people about stuff that I didn't even really have a concept of. But I learned very early on to do this one simple thing. Ask a question and shut up. Because people don't care about your business. They don't care about what you're selling unless they feel it can help you. If you're in the door with a customer already, your branding, your marketing's already done that part. Start asking them, hey, well, what, what, what problem are you having? Why did you have me come out here today? Like, I know you wanted windows, but what type of windows did you want? Or whatever that product or service is, get them talking. It's like dating, same type of thing. You want to get them going and opening up, like that first date, telling about themselves. You don't want to talk about, my business did that, and I did this, and if you do this today, I can get you this deal. People don't want that. People want to be taken care of. And I think I started learning that aspect of it, and that's when it began to make the change and the shift. I still had to learn and scale and grow. I still had to, like, you know, I started out, and I make jokes about Grant Cardone, but in the beginning, I used to listen to Grant all the time because I didn't have a clue. So I was a bang, 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 bang. Then I graduated to Jordan Belfort, straight line system. Then I graduated to Zig Ziglar and Frank Kern and, like, all the different people because I was always leveling up. I was always growing. I was always becoming the person I needed to be. And then I just reframed it. I'm just going to help as many people as possible and they're going to pay me because I'm helping them. And that was the, the biggest secret in sales because I don't try to sell people now, Richard. I give you options. I close all the doors of doubt and get you down to two things, value versus cost. That's it. Because if you have the value of what I'm proposing to you and the cost, and if my value is four to five times higher than the cost and it meets your solutions and your needs, you'll buy compared to if you have this thought about here or is this guy trying to take advantage of me here or am I worried about this or that? But the only way you can get to objections is to ask open-ended questions and get them to open up and tell you more about their problem. I know that sales is simple. It's hard though because we want to talk about ourselves. We want to like brag about our company or what we've done or whatever it is we're trying to do to get them to do. But at the end of the day, like you're doing right now, you just listen and you listen for little clues that they're letting you say or they're telling you while they're talking and then you ask the question off that clue and then you ask the question off that clue and like you said, you let them sell themselves but it's now not selling but you're walking together with the customer guiding them to a decision point and you don't even have to make the decision for them. That's the other thing I just wanted to throw it out here. My job as a salesperson and I am a high ticket closer. I've sold Deals as big as $250,000 in one setting in seven minutes. Like I, I can close high ticket sales, but it was never me making them make a decision. I guided them to the point where they were comfortable to make a decision so that they could either move forward with me or tell me no. Okay. Now for me, my first six months in timeshare sales, I didn't sell anything. Every day I work, I work six days a week eight hours a day, couldn't sell anything. And there was this old, little old man. He must have been about 75 years old. He was in the deeding office two to three times a day. And I'm like, I don't get it. I don't, I, I don't understand. He's like, come in early with me and I'll sit down and I'll teach you. He would come in every morning with free newspapers, like two hours before everybody else. He would read something about every single state or whatever the new news of the day is. And then when that person went to sit down at the table, if they were from Wisconsin, he would know, oh, you know, the Packers just traded away their starting quarterback. How do you, you know, he would create that, that he could just sit down and talk to anybody about anything. And then he would get up and he would go grab himself a cup of juice and he would touch the guy on the shoulder or the lady on the shoulder. Said, do you need anything? Can I get you anything? And mm -hmm. once he did that, it was a wrap. It yep. was over because they led him in their comfort space. Yep. And I think a lot of a lot of salespeople, like you said, they come in with that Grant Cardone, Jordan Belfort. And some in some instances it works, but you have to know your audience. Like, I know if I have an analytical on the table, I'm not going to be pushing out how fun it's going to be. Yeah. If I have somebody that's into fun, I'm not going to start pushing out analytical and the numbers and all that stuff. So I think you have to know your audience and know the person that's sitting across from you, correct? 
Yeah, well, you do, and you need to know their type. So, like, when I'm dealing with CEOs, CFOs, or, like, those top-level business people, if you think of the DISC system, they're very direct. They don't want all the details. They want to know how this going to help my company, what's the cost going to be, what's the bottom line. But if I'm talking to, like, an engineer or an IT professional, they're more into the details, like you said. So now I might even collaborate and bring in a sales engineer so that they can talk together to do what they need to do so they get all the information. So first, know your audience. Second, the thing that that older gentleman did that was amazing was he just connected with them on a human level. Our buddy George Bryant, who I know you had on here, love him dearly, coined the phrase relationships beat algorithm it is the only thing that i have on my car like literally i have a sticker on my car and like i even wear brisbane a lot of times just to remind me of that aspect because what he did was he connected with them on a human level once that was done now we're friends just talking about how i can help you out instead of it i'm a sales guy you have your guards up he takes it and makes you take your guard and go boop and drop so if you're watching this by video, I did that, put my hands in front of my face and dropped it. If you're listening on the podcast, go watch the video. You get to see the little uh, animation. But it comes down to, we've been selling over stories for thousands of years. Like, think of it this way, campfires. The old warriors would talk about the battles and stuff. They're selling a story of battle because battles sucked. But they'd be like, oh, and I went and I fought the dragon and I killed this person or I did this or I did that. We've been selling through stories forever. He found a story that would relate to his customer, something that was personable to them, and then that human touch. I've let you touch me now. Now we are connected. That's why a lot of times salespeople would try and shake your hand. We have a deal. They'll try and shake your hand because they know if you agree, that touch is a another way of getting agreement. You know, and, and I totally agree. But now another thing, like right after that, I, I had a meeting the same day with my sales manager. I said, why am I not selling my pitch? You said my pitch was perfect. And he's like, because you don't own it. Mm-hmm. And I sat and I'm like, well, what do you mean? He says, because when you get down to the brass tacks, when you get down to the, 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 the money and you're asking for that credit card and they say, well, I can't really afford it right now. You're saying, you know what? I get it. You know, Mm -hmm. he said, I want you to buy your own timeshare, which I bought from myself. We still have it. We use it every, every year we go somewhere. I went on a vacation. I took pictures in Disney. When I came back that week, as soon as, as soon as somebody says, well, I can't afford it. I said, I mean, if they couldn't afford it, I'm not selling it to you. But if you're spending thousands on vacation, you could be spending it in a five-star resort. I would just show pictures of me and my family hanging out in Disney. And they're like, Wait. okay, well, you believe in it because you own it. Like, I went to a mm-hmm. car dealership when I bought my car, my Kia. And I sat down with the, with the salesman. And I said, show me your car keys. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you? He said, I own a Honda. I was like, go get somebody else. If you don't believe in your Kia, don't ask me to buy it if you don't yeah. even own one. And I, you know, even like when I was with GNC, I would try a product to see if I liked it. And if Mm -hmm. I liked it, I know I'm going to sell the shit out of it. Yeah. Because I'm using the product. So talk to us, because I I mean, you know, certain things like if you're high in a high ticket sale, you might not be able to buy a Lamborghini now. But if you're, you know, the average salesperson and you're selling cell phones, if you're if, if you're selling iPhones. And you have a Motorola, we're having yeah, a problem. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit about that. Well, you had to believe in what you're doing. And what your guy was telling you there with the timeshares was you were thinking with your pocketbook and letting them give you an excuse of I can't afford it. With the timeshare, they were probably in some really nice area of town, right? Maybe you were in Florida, maybe you were somewhere nice. You know, when you go to a timeshare thing, they're normally somewhere nice. They want to get you to come back there more. That's when you start asking them questions like, well, I, I get that you maybe can't afford it now, but how did you afford this vacation you have right now? And you start asking them questions and opening them up and they'll tell you, oh, I did this and I did that. I go, well, wouldn't it make sense then if you just saved up a little bit more, you could come and do this anytime you wanted and then you just rephrase back to them what they need to do. Same thing though, like with the Kia thing or with any, anything you're selling. Number one, you have to believe in the product. 
Once you lose your faith in the product, you're done. I'm going to give you a story. I used to sell oil and gas. The biggest sell I ever did on my own, like one time, was $250,000 in an oil and gas investment in a well. And um, the guy bought $250,000 in like a seven-minute conversation. I made twenty-five k. Now, I've gotten bigger checks combined, but like as a big sale, right? And I was like, man, I made it. I'm doing all this great stuff with oil and gas and all. And then I found out that the wells didn't work that the wells were not producing what we were supposed to do. So my sales went from being energetic and excited to, yeah, Richard, we do this. Yeah, I can get you some wells. I couldn't do it anymore, you know? So first and foremost, any sales vehicle, any high ticket thing you're selling, 100%, you better believe in it. So like when I go and sell my coaching, right, for consulting, and say maybe it's $30,000, right? I believe that what I'm giving them is going to be effective to help them solve their problem, and it's the best that I can give them for that. No one else is gonna beat it. If I don't come with that energy, they're gonna look at me and go, no, dude, I don't, I don't trust it. Same thing when you go and you said, hey, I'm not gonna buy a Kia from a guy driving a Honda. That makes no sense. I'm gonna buy a Kia from a guy driving a Kia. I drive Toyotas, why? Because they're valuable to me. They work out well, they're you know, great. Other people I know wouldn't ever drive a Toyota. It's building the value. It's the belief in the system of what you're selling. And then it's transferring the energy to the customer so that they believe that you believe it. Because it really doesn't matter what you say. If you believe it or not, it really matters the energy that you put out into the, the engagement. Like I it picked up my energy when I started talking to you about... Hey, when I sell a $30,000 ticket or hey, when I do this, I picked up energy. And then when I said, but when I didn't believe it, see how I just dropped my energy? I just didn't believe it, man. Yeah, you know, you can buy this. It'll be okay. There's that, that change in the energy and there's little things that you can do. I'm sure you read the book by, uh, I think it's, his last name is Voss. Never split the difference. I always get him and his son mixed up. But yeah. in that, he goes, there's so many different voices that you can do. And you can get people into a state of buying or a state of what they need to be. And then you have to be able to read your person. So is this person going to get excited with you and jump into the game with you and, and picture themselves there? Or do you need to just talk to them in a radio voice and just calm them down in the situation and make sure that they're taken care of? Little fluctuations as well will help with it. There's so many nuances. But again, let's just reiterate what we just talked about so far. You have to believe in your product. You have to touch the dream. You have to connect with the customer. You have to know when to push, when to pull, and when to, for lack of a better word, it's like fishing. Sometimes you let the line out a little bit, let them go, and sometimes you reel them in. And it's that back and forth dancing game to get them to the point where you need them to be to make a decision. Again, I will caveat this. You can use the straight line system. You can use any of the ones, Bradley, whatever, that talk to you about how they do sales. Just make sure you're morally ethical. Make sure you have the customer's best interests in mind and make sure if you sell them something, it better damn well do what you say it does. Because if not, you lose your credibility, you lose your brand, you lose everything that you stand for because it takes a long time to get successful. It takes a long time to build a brand. It takes a long time to become the person you are, but you can lose it in an instant if you're unethical, if you screw someone over and it's super hard to pull back from that. And you know, and I was with that company that timeshare company for 12 years so i would have company families come back year after year and my family because I would, I would take my family there for vacation and we'd be hanging out in the pool with these families that bought from mm -hmm. me and then they would see me walking with another family and they'd be like you need to listen to this guy yeah. he knows what yeah. he's talking about he's he's not going to take advantage of you because just last night we were having dinner with them and, mm -hmm. I, you know, I've been a we've been in a, fa in a family for six or eight years now. Yeah. So I think building trust, I think having that trust, like if you, when I was with GNC, if I had a product and I tried it and if it tasted like ass, but it worked great, I'd be like, bro, it tastes like ass. But if you want the <laughs> best work, the best workout, this yep. is it. And people yeah. were like, wait a minute. He told me the negatives before he told me the positive and i know because of the past relationships i can trust him yeah well that's the key though because you don't want to be taken advantage of as a consumer you don't and here's the thing i've always told people this and i think this is great 
sold to people like your son to your grandma. Now understand, my grandma was a four foot eleven Irish woman that had a six foot four husband that she was in charge. Like you could say a lot of stuff to my grandma. So I'm not saying that this is like you got to be simple and dainty, but I would never take advantage of my grandma. I would just shoot her straight with the facts, tell her the truth, tell her what I needed to do, and go from there. Did I lose you there for a second, my friend? Nope. Oh, cool. My screen went blank. That's like, oh, no, I thought that maybe my system had dropped. Sorry. So we'll go back to grandma. I know we're live. Sorry. We'll go back to grandma. You know, you want to make sure you take care of your customers, your clients, who you are. Tell them the truth. You know what's really great? You don't have to think about it. If you're telling them the truth of what your product does, what your service does, that's great. If, like you said, hey, it tastes like ass, but it works well. Now you've just instilled in them, this guy is going to tell me the truth. If I say, hey, you know what? I'm really good at doing this, but I'm not that great at that. This area I could work on. Now I'm human. Now I'm not selling. Now we're working together. So I have the solution for you. Does this work? It meets this, this, and this. Might not meet that. Is this a game changer or will it kill the deal? But also, for me, I never had people return anything. Because yeah. I told them it tasted horrible before. It, and I would tell them, listen, if, if you want taste, this is not for you. Yeah. Like if, if you come in, if you're, if you're, if I am a high end, uh, high end car dealership, if you come in with me and say, I'm from Iowa, I got eight kids. I'm not going to try to put you in a, a two seat sports car. No, and I think all. a lot of a lot of unless he's like one of those guys be like, well, I have eight kids, I need a sports car. But I yeah, think for a him lot and people, Mama to get away, sure, but that's not going to be their main vehicle. But I think a lot of people in sales they sell what they want to sell mm-hmm. instead of what the person needs. Like when they came into GNC, if they're a fifty-five year old guy, I'm selling them. A, they're going to be probably need a test booster or multivitamin. I'm not going to sell them a five hundred milligram pre-workout no no you know but a lot but a lot i i used to see a lot of the the sales guys that's the first thing they would do because that's all they know Mm -hmm. well because they're transactional yeah right yeah 100 they're being transactional if you're transactional you'll go good for a little while but you're missing more than you're actually getting because you're going with an attitude of greed and take you're being transactional but when you're relationship focused and you're trying to meet their needs now which you guess what that guy that you sold the right stuff to i bet you he referred his friends to you where if you would have sold him the energy drink he'd be like man i did this energy drink i'm all jittery i'm never going back there i would rather have multiple sales continuously than one big sale you know, and that's what I wanted to talk about because everybody knows that New Year's resolution crap. Um, yep. People used to come to GNC that that day, and they would have like four hundred dollars worth of stuff on the counter, and I'm picking up stuff and putting it back on the shelf. I'm like, you don't need it. You know, you, this one has enough of it. You don't need this, and they're, and they're looking at me. They're like, wait, a he's putting stuff back on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because you don't need it. I'm not going to sell you something you don't need. And then they would come back a week later after telling their wife that I put stuff back on the shelf. She's like, I got to pick up stuff for my wife. She needs some stuff. Yeah. But because yeah. they knew that I wasn't, I wanted to build a relationship instead of being transactional, like, like you said. Yeah. But that's the key. That it, You just dropped like a bomb. You just dropped like the key to my success in sales over 18 years. Just finding out the customer's problem and helping them. It's simple yet hard because we still want to always go back into we think about how it affects us or we think with our pocketbook or what's going on with us instead of how it helps them but at the end of the day richard his wife came in but guess what women talk so because you took care of her husband and she came in she probably told someone else and they came in and told someone else and they came in and it built that whole compounding effect for you and that's how you build a relationship in sales and you know like i've been gone now almost four years and I'm still friends with almost all of them on Facebook and they'll yeah. be like, Hey bro, I stopped in the store. I'm like, I've been retired for four years, <laughs> but they'll still call, you know, they'll still call and be like, what should I take? You know, what, what do you think is good for me? What do you think? And I've built those, like, like we became friends through Eric, mm-hmm. through Zach. You know, I'm yep. friends with those guys and I plan on being friends forever 
But for me, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of people just have a guest on their podcast and then you never hear from them again. Yeah. It's crickets. Mm-hmm. And for me, I want to build generational relationships. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm 100% so, so that way. So talk about it because you're a podcaster. So talk about building relationships. Um, Networks to me matter. And I'm more into the authenticity of the person than the big name that they have. I would rather take someone that's 100% authentic that interacts like in our group. Like I can name some people that we talk with. Like Eric Allen is who I think I met you through. I know where our brother Zach Babcock. Uh, We know Brian Bogart. We know George Bryant, Kelly Cardenas. All those guys are solid guys. But they also don't come on to the show and then never talk to you again or just pitch their thing and run away. We've developed relationships over time. And I think with podcasting in general, it's the best vehicle that you have to get to talk to people that you wouldn't normally get to talk to. Like I've talked to multimillionaire people on my podcast because I had a tool that I could do it with, but I didn't go and try and take from them either. So if you're thinking of starting a podcast, because everything's a sale, this is still about sales and you want to have someone big on your show, reach out to them, ask how you can help them. Don't pitch them and just be their friend and help them. And guess what? All of a sudden you'll start having people that are like, how did you get that person out? Like you've had some crazy heavy hitters, Richard. And I think it's because you're just so good at being genuinely you. You don't try and take advantage of people and you don't ask them for stuff you don't need. You're just genuinely you. Well, for me, um, what I do is like, I have, I used to have to go out and get guests. I don't even do that anymore. Now I have people that send them to me. But if I know somebody's going to be a guest six weeks from now, I'm going to go that day that I, I get the request. I'm going to follow them on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and I'm going to start interacting. 100%. Not because I want anything, but when somebody sees a smiling face and it keeps popping up in their feeds, mm-hmm. you build that kind of, you know, that like when I had Steve Simmons, we both had Steve on. Yep. But, you know, he knows that, I cared a bit more about what he was saying than what I was saying. And how do how am I going to know what questions to ask him that everybody else hasn't asked him already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, because I yeah. think a lot of times everyone gives him the same thing and they go on the show and they're like, oh my gosh, again. Yes. Well, so like with Steve Sims, because we were joking about this, he doesn't like the Elton John question because he's had it asked yeah. him a billion times, right? Well, but you finding something that's different makes it better but then guess what your audience gets a better show because guess what he brings more energy he's excited he's talking about something else not the same thing he's talked about 18 different times because no one wants to talk about the same thing all the same time i i do the same thing with you i've done that and i've seen you do it where if i have someone on my show or if i want to connect with someone i'll go and i'll just engage in their content i'll go and i'll make comments i'll go and i'll talk with them i'll go and reach out maybe in the dm and just say hey richard you know what i really liked what you wrote there about uh, your veteran coffee thing. Just want to say thank you. I think that's cool. Again, not going and immediately saying, "Hey Richard, will you be on my podcast?" Hey Richard, will you be on my podcast? Now you're just a, you're you're like everyone else. But when you can start to connect and connect, like you said, into their world and what they're doing, boom, you had Steve Simpson. Boom, you've had people on that would blow people away. You know, and I think that's a big key that a lot of people. They mess up because they think that it has to be, or they try to do it too quick. They try to rush into it too quick. Just like if you're on a date, you don't go in for the kiss too quick or try to take them home too quick. That's going to end in disaster for you. You have to develop the relationship. You have to talk with them. You have to find out what's about them that they like. But like you said, not something that everyone's asking them, but something unique. Because now you've separated yourself. You're not like the other podcasters. Okay, but... First, I want to thank our sponsors real quick because I want to dig really deep. And as you guys know, I'm the male Oprah, the G.I. Joe Rogan. So I want to go deep. Uh, Guys, as you see down below, as you can see here, I love to eat. I'm a big eater. I come from a big Italian family. And and the family down below, Muriel's, they're here in New Jersey. They make the best Italian food. And their mom... She's off, literally off the boat from Italy, and she makes everything handmade. So if you love handmade Italian food made with love, check out Muriel's down below. Uh, but also, you know, I sent you my, my, my book. 
It's a two-time number one best-selling book. And I'm not saying it to toot my own horn because that doesn't mean anything. But to me, it's saving lives. And the last two chapters are what does depression look like? It's not what you think it looks like. And what does uh, addiction look like? It's not what you think it looks like. So, guys, and the best thing is anybody that buys the book, 100% of the proceeds go to help veterans struggling with homelessness and PTSD. So, guys, if you love a true Rocky story, comeback story, write book down below and I'll get you the information. Like I said, 100% of the proceeds go to help others. I'm not making anything off of it. So I'm just trying to pay it forward like me and Joe always talk about doing. So now we just talked about something that I really want to talk about. Um, anybody can make the sale. It's having the after sale. Mm-hmm. The people that come back. Like what we were just talking about when Steve came on. When Steve came on, he just had his book, Blue Fishing. That was his first book. When his new book came out, I bought it. Mm-hmm. And I promoted the hell out of it. Not expecting anything. Just yeah. saying, Steve, great book. I bought the audio and I bought, I, I have the physical copy. I bought both of them just because I wanted to show him that I appreciate him. And yeah. when I, I posted everywhere and, uh, and I didn't have any links except to buy for him. And he came on the show again. Mm-hmm. But for me, it, it was three years in the making since the last book came out. Yeah. But if I didn't, if I wasn't keeping on building that relationship, he wouldn't have came back on, but he wouldn't have felt valued, you know? And if you, if you're, if you're pushing people's stuff out and not asking for anything, that says a lot. So yeah. talk about that. Talk about after the sale. Uh, well, there's two different things there. So I want to touch on what you just did. Cause I do this a lot. I try to share different people's stuff just to share it with nothing looking mm-hmm. back to get back. That is yep. such a secret key that if you could understand that what you give out comes back to you, maybe not from the person you think, but it comes back to you in waves, it's unreal. Like there's tons of people, I share their stuff all the time, and then all of a sudden I get asked to be on your show again, or I get asked to be on Kelly Cardina's show, or I have this client come in that was referred because they've seen that I had posted this and it gets me new clients. But the intent behind it, what you did there, is massively key. You didn't do it to get you did it to give. And because of that, God opened up the door. The universe opened up a door for you to receive back because you were willing to give first. On sales after the sale, it's, I call it the sales customer journey. So there's two parts to this. If I sell you something, I'm going to make sure I take care of you so that it is fulfilled to what it is you're doing. If it's a car, pretty easy for me to get that to you. If it's my like consulting service, I'm going to give you the best consultation I can do. I'm going to walk you through the process and make you happy. But I'm also wanting to be your friend for life because you're going to know more people. So some of the stuff you've been doing is kind of what I do. Like I literally will engage with different people that have been on my show. I, I've done 100. I've dropped 144 episodes. And I would say probably 80% of them I still interact with on a regular basis like once or twice a month because I made a commitment. If I'm bringing you on my show, I, I like you enough. I want to have a relationship with you, help you become the person you know, you need to be. And I think that's just one of the other key steps that you need to do. You need to engage with their content. You need to be raving fans. Like when Steve's book came out again, you were out there putting it out there with his newest book and he came back on your show. Like, and he's like crazy, got a lot of cool stuff going on out there. So the fact that he just hopped back on, that shows the power of your connection right there, Richard. Okay. And, and you know, and I totally, I, for me, I'm a simple guy. I've always been, and my wife calls me simple, but I don't know if she means it that way. But, but um, we, my transmission went, and we had to spend like, I think it was like six grand to get it fixed. Mm-hmm. The next week, we get a handwritten thank you card from the owner, with five dollars in scratch offs. Mm-hmm. It was like you gave me. A million dollars. Now, even if I just have to get the windshield wipers, that's where I'm going. Yeah. Because he made me feel like, I mean, it's five bucks, maybe seven bucks with the card. But it just made me feel so, so important. And like Steve said, you know, he'll go to, if he's staying at a hotel, 
he'll just scratch out a thank you card mm-hmm. and send it in the mail. I said, you know, here, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Myrtle Beach. Wish you were here. Have a great day. And yeah. it means so much because who gets handwritten thank you cards anymore? That's that's huge. Not many people. Like, that is a secret of sometimes simplicity and old school type of stuff works better. Because, like you said, I can count on my hand this year the number of cards I've gotten. But I guarantee you I remember each and every person that sent me the card. Because they took the time to write it out. Now, like, if I write you a card, Richard, you may not be able to read it. But you'll see my name at the bottom because I write really bad. But it's it's the thought and the intent behind it. And I think those simple little things can distinguish you and your brand as you grow as a business, as you grow in sales, as you grow in podcasting. Those little things that you do to touch the person that maybe your guests when they come on, maybe you want to like send them a card or like, I know Eric Allen sent me like this wood carving thing and I am not talented. So anyone who comes on my show, you're not getting a wood carving thing. If you get to go on Eric's show, he sent me like this cool little wood carving thing. And like I remembered it. And sometimes I think it's just people need to feel like they matter more than the transaction that happened. And I think when we can reframe that for our business, that people are more important than the transaction. That's where the magic of sales happens. That's where the magic of relationship building happens. That's where doors opened up. That's why that $5 scratch card hits you so well. Why? Because not anyone else is doing it. Because it was different. It was something out of the ordinary in the normal transactional world that we live in. So here's the key. Write this down. Do stuff out of the ordinary. There's actually even websites you can do that you can go and you can schedule this out. If you know someone's birthday, send them a card. If you know someone likes Rangers tickets, whatever, or whatever team they like and you you can do it, send them some tickets. Do little things that will get them to remember you because then when they have that need or problem, they'll be like, Richard was kind to me. Richard took the extra little bit to say he cared about me enough to do X, Y, Z. So now when I need something done, I'm going to go to Richard. Or if I know someone needs something done, I'm sending them to Richard because I know Richard's going to take care of my people. Yeah, like I had my friend Dennis Yuan. Um, he used to work. An amazing dude. He used, used to work for Google and all that. He came on my show, and a week later, I get a box in the mail. There's socks with my ugly face on them. And I'm <laughs> nice. just like, how the hell? But now every time I go in my draw, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about Dennis. So if I know anybody that's looking to promote their business for a dollar a day, I'm sending them to Dennis. And it's yeah. been like five years now. Yeah. Just because he took that extra, you know, that, that extra step. Or even a lot of people don't even realize, if I see if Joe's having, like I, I know I've seen something couple weeks ago you have four puppies that came into the house yep yep i'll just message you and i'll be like how are the puppies doing today Mm -hmm. i mean it may only take 30 seconds i mean i generally care Mm -hmm. but it just shows people hey he's going above and beyond like when i get up in the morning first thing i do on on facebook is i look to see whose birthday it is Mm -hmm. i'm gonna send him a direct message even just saying hey bro Happy birthday. Just thinking about you. Don't want anything. I just want to let you know that your your birthday didn't go unnoticed. Now, notice I didn't do it on their main profile. Yeah. Because a lot of right. people will do it just so their name gets seen. Mm-hmm. I want it to be personalized. but it's Intentional. But, yeah, like we talked about on your show, my two words for this year are intention and attention. But a lot of people don't realize that if, as soon as you message somebody, on, usually on Facebook, you automatically kick right to the top of their algorithm. Oh, I didn't know so that. He, Ooh. Yeah, automatically. As soon as you direct message them, you you, you kick right up. And that's why if you direct message somebody, you're going to see all their stuff directly. That makes sense. But even because... if you don't, you know, like I got 8,000 followers. So a lot of times I'll have like 200 people with the birthdays. And I'll just, I'll go in and say, you know, Hey, how was your birthday? Did you check out the Giants game from? Because I know you're a big Giants fan. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing people pop up in my feed that I haven't seen because mm-hmm. I'm actually using the relationship I'm building to get the algorithm moving again. I love and, that. You know, and you, but you know, also relationships beat algorithms. So why not use both? 
Yeah, hundred percent. Right, hundred percent. So, so how do you? Okay, if I'm a new guy, and you're doing the sales training for your for your office, like I always used to have new people they'd come up, and because I, I would be the trainer, and if I'd be like, all right, guys, just break out your pen and your, your paper. If you don't have a pen or a piece of paper, you're not prepared. Nope. So talk to me about I'm a new guy. Joe is coming to teach me about sales. Tell me the process of learning about sales. Sure. Um, I would start out really simply being like, hey, we're going to meet. I'm going to walk you through what I do for this process. So like if it's like selling fiber, right? We have a set system and a program we're going to do. So Richard, grab a paper, grab a pen. So let's sit down and I'm going to break down my day because I think showing you how I do something is going to be better than me just telling you some stuff. You're going to learn product knowledge and all this stuff, but this is the secret sauce. You need to schedule your day so that you are the most effective at the times you need to be making phone calls, times you need to be doing emails, times you need to be doing the different things of the day to get you to the thing that you need to be successful. So grab your paper and pen, and then I will give them, first and foremost, my schedule for the day, what I do. After that, I will give them some more of the details, and then I will start sitting them with people that actually can do the process. Okay, you're going to sit with Chris today. Then tomorrow you're going to sit with Tim. Then the next day you're going to sit with Mary. At the end of the week, we're going to summarize, and you're going to tell me the key points that they said because I want you to listen to them because they've all been successful in this role, and I'm going to let them start to listen to that process. That's what I would do in a like in my work environment with the day job. If I'm coming in and building a team, I have a whole process, and it just really depends on what they need and what I'm there to teach. Okay, and but for sales, because uh, you know a lot of people they don't want to get involved in the minutia of sales. They just want to yeah. sell, you know. But yeah. they don't realize, like you said, you know, everything is a process. You know, mm -hmm. even like when I took Zach Zach Babcock's course. When I took Eric Allen's course, when I took John Lee Dimwis's course, everything has a process. And the yeah. people that are the most successful have a process or they, they have a schedule. Like for me, even though I, I, I messed up the schedule, I was an, I was an hour early today, so <laughs> I apologize for that. But for me, I didn't become successful until I started living by my schedule. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if, if, I, if it wasn't for Calendly, I'd be in deep doo-doo. But for me, I, I live by a schedule. But like we talk on your show, the 150K podcast, that my two words for this year are intention and attention. Where, and I see with you, there's a lot of people that are in business, but every single post is about business. Where I see Joe's post, Joe's walking. Joe's with his wife taking pictures, celebrating the anniversary, you know, or they're on a vacation somewhere. So it's not all business because once it's all business, people do this. Swipe. Yep. Swipe. Yep. So talk about that, you know, it not being all business all the time because nobody wants to see that. Yep. Honestly. Yeah. Well, it's life by design. It's building a life that you want to love and be involved in. And I think too many times people get caught up in the business and they'll be like, I'm working for my family. I'm doing this for that. Well, if you're not doing anything fun and cool with your family, you're not working for them. You're working for yourself and just own it. Um, secondly, people want to, with sales, with business, they want to see a life they can live. So you'll see when I go to Hawaii, I'll post pictures because it's cool. When we went to Disney, I post pictures. When I went up to Montana to the event, I posted pictures because people love to see the experience, but they also want to know that, there's more than just work. There's more than just the grind. There's more than just the hustle. There's more than just the stuff you do to make money. Making money is the easy part. The hard part is being consistent in doing everything else that you need to get done. The hard part is realizing that there's going to be times that you have to take a step back. Like I think, and I, I was on another friend of ours show. Um, I don't know if you know Doug, if not, I'll introduce you to him. But we were talking about like when my son wanted to play baseball. I slowed down my sales career. This is before the podcast. And I became the assistant 
baseball coach. I don't play baseball, but it was more important to me to build a life by design that he would remember because he's never going to remember me grinding it out. He's not going to remember me working long hours. He's not going to remember me doing podcasts, maybe if he listened to it or something, but he remembered the fact that for two years when he was 11 and 12, he's 18 now, that I was the dugout coach. I was the first base coach. I sucked at baseball. He would laugh at me because he could throw a baseball better than me, but life by design, I did stuff with him. Same thing with my wife. We do date nights. We do different things. We're going to Hawaii to do a half marathon because that was on her list of something she wanted to do. And I'm like, heck, I get to go to Hawaii? Cool. If you're not going and getting to do fun, crazy, cool things and sharing that part of it, what's the point of grinding it out and building a business and having a bunch of money for no reason? And, you know, and that was something I wanted to hit on. You know, we talked about before we came on the show. Uh, I'm a big, big, I'm a big vision vision board guy um i don't use a big vision board i actually use my cell phone it actually has on my screen my lock screen it has the things that i want and one of the things i wanted i wanted to take my family to um to the bahamas nassau you know to go to atlantis my wife informs me that she booked a cruise for next summer we're going to the bahamas we're going to nassau you know we're and and my she's like well you know because it's a little bit expensive to go to mm-hmm. Atlantis. I think it's like two fifty a person. I'm like, okay, but that was on my dream board for the last five years. So I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to when we yes. go, that's where we're going. But mm-hmm. I think if you don't have a vision board, then how are you going to know where you're going? Like I know, and I talked about this on a podcast about an hour, hour and a half ago, that I don't own anything. God owns everything. I'm just here to rent it. I'm here to play, but I want to play with cool stuff. Yes, so I have 100%. a dream. Of, I have a dream of, and I know it's going to come to fruition. I know the beach house that I want. I know mm-hmm. the car that I want to drive when I pull up in, in my my pontumbo, and I see it, and I, I I I pray about it, and I meditate on it, and I got pictures of it, and it's mm-hmm. going to come to fruition. So talk to us about having a vision and having a vision board. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's, it's been a process for me. 100% been a process for me. And if you can hear the puppies again, sorry, I hear them barking. Um, with me in the beginning, it was like I had to get to the point where I realized that I was worthy to do it. I think a lot of times people get so caught up in Richard can do it because Richard's done all these things or Tim can do it because Tim's done all these things, but not me. And then you have to start to reiterate, I am worthy to first do it. So first, we talked a little bit before, meditation, prayer, walking, building yourself up, leveling up, doing all those things first. And then I started writing out what I wanted and then it started happening. I was like, holy crap. When I first went to Disney and took the kids to Disney, that was just a huge thing for me. I was not at the spot where I am now. I had never been to Disney. Like, we hadn't done any really cool trips, and all of a sudden, we were able to take them on the trip to Disney. So I started writing, okay, I want a cabin in Montana and a condo in Hawaii. That's that's my wife and my vision board. I like the mountains. She likes the ocean. Notice we're going to Hawaii again. So she gets what she wants first, which is fine. I'm good with that. Um... But I think writing it out and programming your subconscious and doing things that will help you get to the point to where you begin to believe it. So like on my computer at work, I literally have a picture of the Hyatt, the Grand Hyatt at Poipu, which is where we're going to stay when we go to Hawaii for the half marathon. When I won the sales thing, I put a picture of the El Palms in Palm Beach from the trip I won last year with my thing. When I want to do something, putting it in front of you, getting it inside of you, seeing it, experiencing it, and doing it builds your subconscious to believe that it's really possible and that you can do it. And I think the problem is is that we get so caught up in our head that that's good for Richard or someone else but not good for us. When in reality, if you put the time, the effort, and do the things you need to do, you can do crazy cool things. I'm a country boy from Michigan. I went from food stamps to making over 200000 a year. Not because I'm super special, but I kept working. I kept leveling up. I kept connecting. I kept networking. I believed in myself enough to get around people that when I couldn't believe in myself, they said, no, Joe, 
you can do this. No, Joe, you do have greatness inside of you. No, Joe, this is a gift you have to give to the world. Yes, you can make over $100,000. Yes, you can make over 200000 Yes, you can go on these trips and ride first class and do things that would blow anyone in your family away. Why? Because you put the time, the effort, and you programmed your mind to understand that it is a possibility. But then once you get that possibility, you hit that level to where you don't go back. So now my dreams are bigger. Before it was, I want to go to Hawaii. Well, we're going to Hawaii again. Now it's, I want a condo on the beach in Paipu so that I can get up and look at dolphins in the morning. Then I want a cabin in Montana where I can get up in the summer because it's stupid hot here. It's like 100 degrees and look at the mountains and just enjoy life. And, you know, and it, that's something that I totally uh, agree upon, but we also know, and it, I think it might be Jim Rohn who said it, it's been said many times by many people, you are the average of the five people that you are you around the most? So yep. for me, like I had a big talk talking about somebody in our lives, in our, our personal lives. Um, they always want to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. I want to be the opposite. Hundred percent. I want to be yeah. the dumbest guy in the room so I can <laughs> yeah. learn everything from everybody. Um, and if you're hanging, you know, if you're hanging around with people that they're not going on nice vacations, they're, they're not treating their, their kids and their wives nice. They're not doing these things. Well, that's who you're going to become. So talk about upgrading your circle. I, I look to upgrade my circle every year now. So, like, I try to get in the room. So they say, here, and maybe it's just the overachiever in my head. So they say you're the some of the five people you hang out with the most. I try to hang out with people that, like, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 different people I can bring into my world that are higher or father, not higher in, like, they're way higher than me, but they're farther along in the process. They're going to stretch me. They're not going to put up with my shit. They're not going to allow me to pull back or be lazy or not do the things I need to do. But you also mentioned something that I think is a huge caveat. They love their wives. They love their family. They take care of their people that work for them. They do the things that need to be due because I'm more about integrity honor knowing who you're around because i want to you know be a multimillionaire and have a family that still loves me go do cool things with them so that's the type of people i try to surround myself with instead of the oh i'm the elf of this or elf of that but they're not really being the 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 fake things i don't like the fake i don't like the fake and and not that the word elf was bad, so let me rephrase that. My buddy Zach Babcock has a thing called Alpha Dog Pound Live. He's a great guy. Let me make sure I'm clarifying this statement. But that that fake entrepreneur, I'm the badass stuff. That's just not. I don't like that. I I I. If I go into a room with someone like that, we're gonna mesh in a bad way. I'm not gonna connect. But if I go into a room like with you or with Eric or Kelly or George or someone that we know, now they're lifting me up. But then here's the cool thing. Guess what, Richard? You're lifting them up. I don't think God puts you in rooms that you're not supposed to be in. So if you're in the room and you're at the table, learn that you're supposed to be at that table and you're bringing just as much value as they are. Now, maybe they've gone a little bit farther along. Maybe they've done more things, but you're there for a reason. Like I'm just looking back through, like if I looked at my phone and just was thinking about who I have access to, old me would have been blown away. But now I'm new me. It's like, no, it's cool. I can help them as well. And I think it's just leveling up and growing. And then you just reevaluate your circle again and reevaluate your circle again. Like I know from my Rolodex, I'm, I know a bunch of millionaires and probably like four or five, one step from billionaires. Not that I'm trying to get the, I'm just thinking of the process, how they've leveled up and stuff. In five years ago, Richard, if I looked at my cell phone, I maybe would have known one or two successful business people. Maybe. So you can level up in a short amount of time as well. You know, and that's why we were on, we took a little mini vacation to Atlantic City and um, Jerry Maguire came on and I'm sitting with my son and then I show him a picture of David Meltzer yep. and I showed him a picture of um, Lee Steinberg. I'm like, that's who they wrote the books about. I mean, a movie about. And I've actually had him on the show. So it's yep. pretty cool to be able to do that um, but then also, like me and you, we're both we keep it real. You know, 
I may have a, a top selling podcast, number one book and all that, but I'm still walking around picking up a 14 pound dog shit in my backyard. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that cool, but you yeah. know, there's sometimes I think as an entrepreneur, like I was watching the show called quarterbacks and on, and they were talking and Patrick Mahomes had like building like a, a hundred thousand square foot home. And then I'm like, man, I'm like, I haven't really got anywhere. But then I was talking to two guys that I used to serve with. One is homeless. Mm -hmm. The other one's living in, in his trailer. And here I am last night, guys, and I, I, I thank my wife so much. We're sitting in our jacuzzi, and mm -hmm. she just made a big prime rib. And I'm like, wow, life is friggin' amazing, yeah. but it's perspective. And gratitude. You know, even like podcasts. I know I'm not at the end my let Gary V spot yet, but I have perspective to realizing, okay, I'm where God exactly where mm -hmm. he wants me to be. So talk about perspective. Well, I think when you come to perspective, if you do it in a level of gratitude and thankfulness for where you're at, because you just mentioned that, that's the biggest key because I think too many times we could look and say, well, crap, I'm not as far as Richard is right now. I'm not as far as Gary V or Ed Milet. But you mentioned it. You hit that key. I'm where God wants me to be right now. I'm where I need to be right now. So be content in the moment, have gratitude for it, and then just keep getting better. Life is a long game. You have one relationship. And here, you want to know the secret to leveling up? You have one relationship you'll have with your life all your life. Guess who that is with? You. Not everyone else gets to be with you your entire life. Not that, like, I've been married 22 years, love my wife, but she was, didn't know me when I was three. Like, I'm the only relationship I've had throughout this whole entire thing. So learn to love you. Learn to respect you. Find out what sets your heart on fire. Find out what you need to be fulfilled. Go share your message to the world. Go help as many people as possible. And the sky's the limit. And then just have an attitude of gratitude. Like you said, you said Patrick Mahomes in the 100,000 square foot house. I'm sitting there going, I would not want to clean a 100,000 square foot house. If I had enough money to have that, I no. No, thank you. I don't want that. But he, he likes it. That's great. Don't care. That's his thing. I think it comes down to perspective. What are you called to do? Who are you called to help? What do you want to accomplish? And get 1% better every day. Success is boring. It's doing the correct things over and over again, knowing the right process is set in motion. And I think too many times we get caught up in the idea of the big sexy. Oh, they can do this. Oh, they got to do that. Oh, they got to do this. And I go back and, I, and if I get into that moment where I'm like, oh, I'm frustrated. I'm not where I want to be. And I go back and go, six years ago, you were, or seven years ago, you were on food stamps. You would be over the top to be in the spot you are today. So don't be ungrateful for where you are because you come so far. Don't get so far feature cast that you forget where you've come. Stay in an attitude of gratitude. Keep moving forward and help as many people as possible. If I've come this far in six years with sales, because I've had up and downs and I hit rock bottoms about six, seven years ago and then to the point I am now. And in two years, my podcast is now a top 5% podcast and I've been able to be in rooms that would blow my mind away. And I'm selling stuff and I'm doing things and I'm building up. What's going to happen when I've been doing this for three years or five years or 10 years down the road? It's the long game. This is a part no one likes to hear, but it's so true. Success, entrepreneurship, business, podcasting, it's a long game. You keep showing up. You keep helping who you need to help. And then they'll say, oh, he's an overnight success. It took me 18 years to get to this point where I am with, with my sales career. It took me... Two years to get to this point where I'm in my podcast. And it doesn't change that I've had to put the work in. It's just how am I going to look at it? So if I get caught up in that, like I said, that whole woe is me or why don't I have this or that, I go back to and I just start writing down. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for a wife that loves me. I'm grateful that I have breath today. I'm grateful I have good friends like Richard. You know, reframe your mind to the point to where you can get back to level and then when you start putting stuff in like, hey, I want the beach house. What, what color is the beach house, Richard? What, what do you want? Then start detailing it even more, and that's going to hit it in your mind even more and set it more there. Like like my cabin in Montana. I'm not really caring. I just going to sound funny. My wife probably has her house picked out well. My cabin in Montana, I'm more worried about the outside looking and having the right fire pit because that's what 
jumps yeah. out at me. You know, it's finding that thing. I know I went on a little bit of a rant there, but I, I think gratitude is the biggest key. And, you know, and exactly, I mean, like, I just wanted this. You probably won't be, even be able to see that, this, you know, because it's a stupid thing. But that's been on my phone for five years. That's Atlantis. Yeah, that's no, I been see on it. my I phone. Yeah. But I see it every day. So now I know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I know um, I know what it's going to feel like. So, you know, some, somebody asked me yesterday, what is my definition of success? I said, the times when I feel the most successful in my life is when I'm walking with my wife and she grabs my hand. Yeah, yeah. And I can walk hand in hand with my wife. Even though I've known her since for the last 40 years, that makes me feel the most successful. It's just being being a husband and a father. Everything else is just gravy. So, you know, for the last couple minutes, let me let me ask you, because this is a teaching podcast. If you give us three things that you wish you would have known about in sales that, you know, now. Ooh, relationship first would be the thing, because in the beginning, like any salesperson, I was talking product. I was talking business. I was trying to do all the gimmicks and the tricks. So having a relationship first process. Second, I wish I would have learned to listen first instead of pitch because I pitched for years because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. But if I would have just sat back and listened to what the customer was saying, I could have sold them. And then three, believing that I was good enough to do it because I think a lot of salespeople and entrepreneurs deal with I think they've dealt with trauma. They dealt with stuff in their past. And so we're really good at connecting with people and all, but we still have to deal with our head of, am I worthy enough to do this? Am I at the level that I should be able to do this type of thing? Can I be in the room with those people? So I want to reiterate, if you're invited to a table, you're supposed to be there. If they don't invite you to the table, kick the door down and build your own table and just begin to trust yourself again. So to recap that real quick, I wish I would have listened more. I wish I would have had more of a relationship focus to begin with with sales. And I wish I would have believed in myself now more than I did. Like like how I believe in myself now, I wish I would have done that instead of in the beginning not believing and having to, you know, go through that whole process. I'd like to give a shout out to one of our one of my num- my number one fans. Doc, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, Doc. She's been totally amazing. Um, and I just want to say thank you for hanging out with us today. And uh, we appreciate everything that you do. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I think that's cool. Yeah. So, so I just want to say thank, thank you to her. Um, all right. So we know as we are on your show, I don't know if we talked about it yet, but there's a big pivot coming. Mm-hmm. It's a big, big pivot coming. And I've seen it on threads. So you gotta give me you gotta give me the DL, brother. What's going on? Um, I'm just shifting what I'm doing. So I've had the 150k podcast for the past two years. Um, that was helping sales professionals, uh, business owners break that six figure barrier. Right? It's been the podcast, been my brand. I'm shifting to being more helping business owners set up sales teams and do that type of thing, and shifting more to becoming really who I'm supposed to be because I'm all about life by design and helping people build a life that they love and helping people chase, not just chase their dreams, but achieve their dreams. So sales is one of the tool belts. Mindset's one of the tool belts. So I'm going to rebrand what I'm doing. Like I'm not getting rid of the episodes. You can listen to 150K podcast. Now you can from start to finish break 100K. And it's not just money on the podcast. We talk about life, spirituality, growth, mindset, connection, network. We talk about all of it. But right now, I'm just, it's like, you know, you have a shift and it's time to just level up and change. And that's kind of the shift that I'm starting to go into. Have I locked down the new name of the show yet? No, but it's going to be more about helping you become the person you want to be and just building life from there. Maybe life by design is not the right word. Maybe it's a life that you love or like I have this joke. I think I want to build a life to where Every day I live is a bucket day life, meaning that I don't have to have a bucket list because my life is so fun and built that I can live that life every day. You know, but you've said it and you've said life by design seven times already. Yeah. So I think it's there. I, yeah. I, I really think 
I think you hit on it right there. So how do we find your podcast? How do we find your coaching? I know you're you're big on now you're on threads. You're you're big on every pod every every place you could find. So how do we find you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Sure. So um on any social media uh, for Instagram threads, it's Joe Graham Real because Joe Graham was taken, even though he has eight people. I can't get that one, so I put Joe Graham Real. That's me. Um, on like Facebook, it's Joseph Graham or Joe Graham, sorry. On uh, LinkedIn, it's Joseph Graham, and then the podcast is 150K Podcast. It's on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Apple, you name it. Spotify, it's on all of them. You can find me there, or if you want to email me at the 150K Podcast at Yahoo.com, you could do that as well. Um, that's the easiest way to find me on Facebook. Anywhere pretty much is me. So if you DM any of those, you're going to get me. I don't have a VA. So how often do you drop an episode? Uh, right now, once a week. Every Tuesday at 1 a.m. And then I drop some surprise solo episodes periodically or I'll reshare shows. Like I'll probably reshare this if you let me um, on my show just to get your audience some more um or get you some more people to listen. That's kind of what I do. But every Tuesday at 1 a.m. Central Time, it drops. And then I do some special episodes on Thursdays at 1 a.m. But they're kind of like gems, like maybe once or twice a month. All right. So for the people that are podcasters out there, why 1 a.m.? Because it does a couple things. Tuesday, everyone drops their podcast at 1. Or drops their podcast on Monday. A lot of people do Mondays, Fridays, Monday, Friday. So if you drop it at 1 a.m. on Tuesday... It gills to the top of the list for the new day when people go to log into Apple or into Spotify or stuff. It's just a algorithm twist. This is what a friend of mine on the Doc podcast told me. So I'm just going off of what he said. And since I've done it, I've seen downloads go up a little bit more. Plus, I'm not fighting with all the big boys on Monday dropping theirs. Because I, I had switched it to Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. after talking to Tony Watley. I think you know him too. He said, hey, I, I dropped mine on yeah, great dude. I dropped mine on Tuesdays because not as many people do it there. And then my other friend said, hey, try it at 1 a.m. instead of 8 a.m. And I did, and I saw a surge. So I'm like, I'm going to do it at 1 a.m. So you guys can do 102 a.m. because I dropped mine at 1. I'm just even. <laughs> I love it, brother. And I'm so grateful for you. And thank you for your friendship all these years. And I can't wait to get together and hang out and spend a weekend. Hang. If you ever come to Jersey, got to go out for some great Italian food. So I just want to say thank you for everything. You got a beautiful wife. You got a beautiful family. Now what? Set seven dogs. So yeah. your life is full. It is. It is. And I, I and I'm super grateful for you, Richard. Like you are one of my favorite people. Um, I love you. I, I I always want the best for you, and I am super happy that you're in my life. And thank you again for letting me be on the show. Yeah, I do have seven dogs, um, three kids, an amazing wife. We have a cat too. I don't really claim the cat, but you know. I get it. All right, guys. So make sure you check Joe out everywhere. I don't miss an episode of 150K Podcast. If his numbers went up, I take full responsibility because I've been binge listening to him as, as I do my walk every morning. So, Joe, I love you, brother. I'm so grateful for you. I can't wait to see this life by design thing come up, come about. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. All right, guys. So remember, you know, I'm, guys, you know, I'm a big Joe Osteen guy. And I love what he says that every day we have a choice to be the victim or the victor. So, guys, make sure that you make the choice to be the victor and stop being a victim. I love you guys. Have an amazing week. I'll see you on Wednesday. And remember, vertical momentum, the only way to go is butt. Love you. Brother, have an amazing week. Keep crushing it. You as well, my friend. You as well. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.